So today we have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which I don't know why they put that because it said there were 5,000 men. It should say like the feeding of the tens of thousands, right? I mean, we don't know how many people were there, <clears throat> but at least, at least 10 to 20,000 people. And it's the only, I don't know if you know this, but it's the only miracle that is recounted in all four Gospels. And so I think what we can take away from that is it must have been a really big deal. I thought you guys would look more shocked again. Five, I mean, we're talking 20, there were five loaves, two fish, 20,000 people ate. <laughs> and, and so it must, I mean, the, the reason these were written down is because this must have been a huge turning point or, or I don't know, something within his ministry in order for all, all the Gospels to account it. But here's the thing <clears throat> that kind of struck me because when we hear these stories, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes you're like, it's, you know, Jesus, they brought to him five loaves and two fish. You're like, oh, I know this one. And you just tune out. This is, I know this. This is where he takes these fish and bread and makes a whole bunch of people eat. You know, look at this. The stained glass looks still good this morning. We have a good, proper light coming through it. And there's two light bulbs that are out above us. And we miss, we forget that there's like, <clears throat> this amazing miracle is happening right before our eyes. And yet, we have that happening right here. I mean, Jesus multiplies himself throughout the entire world. But what struck me is this kind of question that the apostles bring. And I think it's, given the state of affairs that we're in right now, I think it's a question maybe on a lot of people's mind. We have five loaves and two fish, but what good is that for so many? Translation, what, what, can, we, what can we do? What, what, do you, what do you want us to do about this? I can't, look at the size of this problem. There's 20,000 people here, Jesus. We have five loaves and two fish. That's it. Which is kind of interesting because five loaves and two fish might be a meager meal for about 12 apostles. It's their supper. But what does Jesus say? He says, what are we going to do about this? He doesn't say, what are you going to do about this, Philip, James, Matthew, Simon? He says, what are we going to do about this? So the question is, do you believe that with God all things are possible? Or when you look at the problems of the world we're facing which we're not right now, which are many, do you sit back and throw your hands up and say, what can I do? What can I do against that? Last week I met with a guy from St. Cloud. He was a friend of... A, a student I taught many years ago and he had fallen away from the faith and this student was like can you meet with him and bring him back to the faith and they you know you do that to us priests a lot they're like hey this person's an atheist can you meet with them one time and convert them I'm like it just doesn't work like that I'll meet with them <clears throat> but it's gonna take a lot more than that so I met with this guy and at the end of the conversation he's like father you got a lot of good points you really do. But what can I do to change this messed up culture? And I'm like, that's the problem, man. That's how we got here. 
People kept saying, what can I do? And the voice of the crazies is loud. It's loud. It's everywhere. So why can't our voice be loud? Why can't the little bit that we can give? Why do people get to run their mouth about everything and anything that we see as immoral and we just sit there and take it? Why is that? Are we afraid? Are we afraid that this little bit that we have, it might not be enough? I don't know if I ever told you this story, but we had this guy, his name into, uh, we had this thing called The Rock at St. Mary's High School. It was reaching out for Christ's kingdom. And his name was Chris Horn. He was an NFL wide receiver for the Cardinals. And he had retired or whatever, but he said he was in the locker room one time and this big, big lineman came in. He's just mad. He's throwing stuff around. And he's like, what are you so mad about, man? He's like, my girlfriend's pregnant. And he's like, well, that okay. You know, like, it doesn't have to be all anger. And he's like, no, man. He's like, I told her get an abortion right now. And he said, Chris Horn was like, I didn't know what to do, so I just said, you can't do that. And the guy looked at him, he's like, why not? And he's like, I, he's like, I was just like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden he's like, because it's a baby. And he's like, it ain't a baby. And he's like, all of a sudden he just came to him. He said, all right, let me ask you a question then. When is it a baby? Guy's like, I, I don't know. I suppose when it's born. He's like, what about the day before? Just one day. What about the week before that? What about the month before that? <laughs> this guy's like, oh man, I can't get an abortion. That's a baby. That was it. Just this, he took this little thing that he had. And he had the courage to step up and say, you can't do that. Instead of cowering before him, and he took that little thing that he had, and he said, Jesus, help me, and Jesus did. All of us can do that. Because we got to start doing something. Christ wants to do so much through us, but we back down because we don't want to step out there. It's dangerous out there. It's scary out there. We might get made fun of. We don't want to risk too much for him. John Paul II didn't look at communism and throw his hands up in the air and say, what can I do? Against the Iron Curtain, what can I do? No, 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 no. He said, Jesus can overcome this. And I'm just going to go and preach Jesus to every single person I know that's under the Iron Curtain. And you could almost make the argument that maybe John Paul II single-handedly brought down communist Russia. Or Pius XI, one of my great, I love this story. Joseph Stalin said to Pius XI, he said, tell me, what kind of army does the Pope really have? As if to say, Pius, what are you really going to do if I just come into Rome and take it over? And Pius XI very cleverly responded, tell my son Joseph, he will find my army in eternity. And I'm sure he has by now. That's faith. Not cowering before this great dictator, but standing up to him. 
God can do incredible things in just what little we give him. But we got to give it to him and we got to believe. What do you got to give? I don't know. What, what little thing do you have? I don't know. You got to take that up with him. That's why I tell you to pray like every Sunday. Jesus, what little thing do you want me to do that can contribute to your kingdom? I read a story recently about this lady. She was walking home one day and she saw a woman laying in the street dying. And she just heard inside of her heart, help her. And so this woman picked up this other woman and carried her to a hospital and said, can you please take care of this woman? She's dying. They said, there's nothing we can do for her. But we'll keep her here for a day or two. So she left the hospital and she was walking home. And on her way home, she ran into another woman. Picked her up, carried her to the hospital, put her in the hospital. Walked again on her way home, found a dying man. Picked him up, carried him to the hospital. The hospital said, you have to stop doing this. These people aren't going to make it. We can't help them. So she went out fueled with excitement and zeal to help the poor. And eventually she raised enough money to buy a little house in Calcutta, India. That house is the house of the dying that Mother Teresa started. 50,000 people in her lifetime she saved. And it started with one. Just one. There was a massive problem in Calcutta, India. People dying in the streets and she picked up one. And that was the beginning to the Missionaries of Charity, which are one of the bigger, bigger orders of the entire world, helping people in countries everywhere. Just one. She even said it herself, it started with one soul. If you give the little that you have to Christ, he can multiply it. If you believe it. What can you do? Raise your families in the faith. Make Christ a priority. Pray for your sons and daughters that have maybe fallen away from the faith. Don't just say to them when they're doing something that's wrong, oh, I just want them to be happy. They're not going to be happy unless they're following Him. Now, we got to do everything in love, obviously. But the Catholic Church is a sleeping giant right now. Remember, it only took 12 uneducated men to flip over an empire. I'm sure the apostles looked at Rome and said, what are we going to do? What did Jesus say? Go out. All nations, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if those apostles would have said, there's 12 of us, what can we do? That would have been the end of the church. Francis, Dominic, Ignatius. What if they would have said, oh, this is too much. We wouldn't have the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Jesuits. Some might be saying we'd be better without the Jesuits. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's me. <laughs> They're working on it. They're making a comeback right now. Christ wants to use us. He wants to establish his kingdom with us. We are prone to fail, yes, but not God. And so today, bring in what little you have. And every day of your life, keep bringing that. And he will take that and multiply it beyond your imagination.